This is a Crow's Nest podcast. And welcome to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and this week I am joined by. Oh, I didn't ask how to say your last name. Is it Bob Cieli or Cieli? It's Cieli, like the mattress. Jesus Christ. Well, it's none of what I said. Cieli. Yeah. Yeah. Are you related to the mattress? No, I wish I had that kindly. Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Ugh. Yeah, how- but there's anyway. something viewers at home can't see this there's something in the right hand corner of your room there's a figurine and i can't tell what it is it looks like a robot of some kind to Um, you it's going to be your top left shelf top left it's brown up there yeah that's a that's a lego clay face (laughs) okay that would explain why it is a little ambiguous looking because clay face is a little ambiguous looking Yep. Uh, this is my Lego room. Uh, never mm-hmm. had one of these before, but we're living in a house that's big enough where I can actually set up all my Legos. So Dang it. Yeah. I only have the one. I only have the Lego Titanic. Actually, my friend gave me one of the botanical sets, so I have two. But Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to get the Lego Titanic, but I don't know if I'm ever going to have enough room for it. And it's so godly expensive. So It is expensive and it is big. I'm not yeah. a Lego collector, so it doesn't like jockey for space with other models. Fair enough. Even so, having just the one, it is fully assembled. It's huge and it's kind of heavy. Like It's yeah. it's it's a big thing. I, I, don't, I don't remember... I can Google how much it weighed. It's something like 40 pounds or some yeah. stupidity. And then it's like, it's four feet long, fully assembled and 18 inches tall. So you basically have to have a shelf built, which I did. I don't think it's visible, actually. If I move out of the way, that like black thing that's standing up in the back. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I might have a friend who's a woodworker. It's like, I basically had to tell him, it's like, I bought a thing that's too large for standard shit. Could you make me a thing to support this irrational purchase I made? <laughs> well, Luckily, there's a thing for that. So there is a thing for that, but my goodness. Uh, anyway, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it's getting colder here. It's I was going to ask been, that. It's been dropping all morning, but uh, mm-hmm. sun's bright, and so it's a cold but clear day. It's funny. It's finally warming up here. Like there was an, a, a brief day of ice here in Texas, and then now it's going to be in like the 50s or 60s today. This planet's exploding. Yep, and just going to enjoy it until it does basically yeah anyway what i always ask everyone the same story i mean the same question and everyone's answer is always different but like what is your titanic story not just like the move for a lot of people that does mean the movie but like if it doesn't include the movie obviously that you know, doesn't have to yeah no uh it doesn't include the movie um mm-hmm. it's kind of a funny story i'm not going to go too into detail about it yeah, but can. uh oh well um I grew up in a cult, and it was a Saturday afternoon after I'll we got I'll take things I was not expecting for 600, Alex. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, a Saturday after we got home from quote-unquote church, my parents went to go take a nap, and I turned on the TV, and I had it on very quiet while they were taking a nap. And it was, this is 1985, and a National Geographic special came on about Robert Bowd finding the Titanic. And I watched that 
and they talked about how deep the ocean was. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and uh, after it is, that, it is pretty wild when you think about how deep the ocean is. Oh, yeah, it's insane. And then after that, it always floated around in my mind. And then I got a Titanic book at the school book fair, the Scholastic Book Fair. And I read A Night to Remember a couple of times as a kid. And then uh, I saw the movie when it came out in 97. And then nothing for a long time. And then within the past couple of years, I got back into it. Let me know if this is a, an intrusive question. We can skip it. But for because I will also say that my my knowledge of cults is limited to what I know from documentaries and, and right. crime. So I, I don't have any personal experience with it. But yeah. from what I do know, there's especially with children, there's a lot of like an info diet. Was Titanic information permissible because it was like historical? And I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, things like PBS and the wow, Smithsonian. <laughs> Are usually pretty like chill. Like I went to Catholic school, and they would allow us to watch Smithsonian PBS because it was yeah. it was it was okay in the in grand scheme of things. I guess I'm just surprised that 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 you had access to this kind of media because everything that I know about cults are like that wouldn't be allowed. So, like well, I said, if that's intrusive, you don't you don't have to answer that. Oh no, no, not at all. My dad was not a very good cult follower. <laughs> we we've all we've all got our things. Yeah, and so. Um... My parents weren't upset with me watching educational stuff like that. Yeah, I, yeah, that, I, that's educate. That's kind of what I educational. Yeah. Yeah. No, they didn't mind that, and so I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it was never a big deal for me getting into Titanic and that sort of thing. My parents encouraged my uh, hobbies as much as they could with mm-hmm. their limited means, but uh, they never really understood anything I was into. I feel like Titanic is kind of a niche interest in that way in that there's some interest that even on a mainstream level, you can understand, like, I'm not big into the NBA or anything, but I can watch basketball and you know, like figure it out. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I got it. Uh, ball go in hoop, everyone clap. And, and I figured it out. We're, we're good. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, I have a way harder time following football. There's a whole lot of standing around and arguing and I, and I don't understand what the arguing means. And apparently that's half of the game, Yeah, but that's kind of how I feel with like a Titanic interest in that. It's like, yeah, I get the touchdown moment, but everything else is kind of mm, where I can see for some people where they're like, yeah, I get it. But everything else is kind of, mm. yeah. You know? So, I mean, uh, mostly all I'd read was that one little scholastic book and a night to remember and that colored my opinion on some of the uh, important players mm-hmm. of that night. You know, I can see that. And I don't remember which episode I was talking to someone about, but it was someone who is older and had been in the in the community and, and worked in Titanic for you know decades, even before I was born. And they were telling me how impactful 1985 was. And you were talking about how you saw like that special. I wasn't even born yet, but right. I'm, you know, imagining that that was one of those things. And, and we talked about it in this interview. Was it an interview or was it like an in-person conversation? I'm really getting it all mixed up now. But this person was saying that when that happened, when that discovery happened, it just rocked the Titanic community a bit in a way because it vindicated a lot of people. It upset a lot of people. And it just kind of like, started the track for forensic evidence so sort of solving historical mysteries and that it was like no this isn't theory anymore we we have the technology to put a person down there he put eyes on it and went that thing's in two 
Yeah. You know, we, we, we reached the point where we can do that. And I think it's really cool that you came to Titanic, like at that pivotal moment, because I don't know how old you were, but like being a kid, you probably didn't have yeah. a lot of memory of the before time. No. Uh, but you came um, into it in that big explosive, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a uh, 42 next month. And so, yeah, I was born in 1981. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where I, it, it was just on. I was like, whoa. And so I've been reading more books about it lately. Uh-huh. Uh, right now I'm reading Understanding J. Bruce Ismay. Yes, I am. I am shamefully behind on my Titanic stash, but that's that I'm, I'm partway through that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's like all the information I'd gotten about him mm-hmm. previously made him out to be this mustache twirling villain. <laughs> And, um, uh, at my last job, I was able to listen to podcasts and, uh, audio books and whatnot. So I, yeah. uh, listened to, um, how to survive the Titanic, the singing of J Bruce Ismay. Oh, I'm going to have to write this down. Yeah. How to survive the Titanic, the sinking of J Bruce Ismay. Mm-hmm. There's another, uh, biographical book about him. Right. And I learned a lot more about him, about, you know, how, uh, he lost kids and how stern his father was and just mm-hmm. everything leading up to his life before Titanic and just trauma after trauma after trauma, this guy endured mm-hmm. before Titanic. And then the trauma he endured after Titanic yeah. and how his wife wouldn't let him talk about it at home and how desperate he was to speak to anyone to just clear his mind of this mm-hmm terrible thing he experienced and he couldn't do it because psychology wasn't really uh acceptable back then yeah and so and uh in one of those books his grandkid asked him if he ever experienced a ship sinking which was very taboo for the ismays after titanic sank mm-hmm. and he told him you know once and so he had to live with that for the rest of his life. And it's like, it's not all on him. I think one of the things that we're learning the, the longer that we progress in uh, studying historical events by and large, and also just like looking at the sociology of our world is that all of these stories have so many different elements of humanity and that people are complex and that, you know, uh, this is almost taking a really, 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 really drastic and different turn, but I'm going, I'm going to do it to make a dramatic point, Okay. which is how we, it's, it's a bit controversial too, but it's kind of how we humanize like serial killers in the media. Yeah. And, you know, you, you show these different sides of them, you humanize them, you show these different parts of them. And a, a lot of the reason is to demonstrate that people are complex and a lot of it is to show that, you know, not people are not necessarily, they don't necessarily crawl out of the womb like, ah! yeah, it's not how it starts to show that, you know, a lot of people, you know, go through trauma or they have an extreme issue or they have a real bad brain injury and all of a sudden everything goes haywire. And it's the exploration of the human condition. And it, like I said, in, in some degrees, it goes a little too far, I think, in giving people a little bit too much humanity. But I think that when you go back and look at sort of, you know, historical villains, it gives them enough humanity in yeah. that many people are and were sort of caricaturally portrayed. Yeah. And it has to do with a lot of things. One of it is like 
the technology at the time, like you didn't, not everyone could have a Twitter to share their story. There weren't a ton of newspapers. Newsprint was expensive. Not everybody was literate, you know, getting the news about what happened was difficult. So if you only had two sources to choose from, and they were both saying, this man is the devil, then you didn't really have a lot of options. And then too, it was sort of like the climate of the time was the whole, you know, you don't talk about things, stiff upper lip, keep going, chin up. Yeah. And as we explore, we, you know, we realize more that these were, you know, complex people with complex emotions. And, you know, a lot of this trauma, as you were saying, people don't get to talk about it, but think about how cathartic it is when you're going through something difficult and you get to like, talk to a friend or yeah. talk to, you know, if you have a spouse or a partner or talk to your parents or to your siblings, it, you know, to be able to have that connection with someone is really important. Yeah. Well, I mean, he uh, tried to foster that with uh, Miriam Thayer. Mm-hmm. He corresponded with her a lot and uh, he fell in love with her. Yeah. And uh, eventually she realized what was going on and she wrote a letter to Ismay's wife saying, hey, yeah, just friends, he's got to chill out. I don't think of him that way. And so, uh, so yeah, he really had no one to process that trauma with. <laughs> Trauma and, bonding is real too. Yeah. Like for but, anyone uh, who doesn't know, Marion Thayer is the uh the widow of oh Christ, Jack's the son. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the father's name because I'm irresponsible. Yeah. Um but you know, she she was a Titanic survivor, um, a Titanic widow. So they had that sort of connection of surviving that shared experience. So it's you know, when you're looking for an outlet that it makes sense. But yeah, that it just goes to show you when when you're desperate for connection, you'll you'll find it sometimes in, in kind of inappropriate ways where it's like, yeah, nothing may have happened. But that, you know, we would classify that today as an emotional affair. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he had that going on. And another thing about Miriam Thayer is interesting that I thought because I read uh, The Ship of Dreams. I hear that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, she was uh, very close with uh, Archie Butt. Mm-hmm. And that book posits, I don't know, I, I don't want to piss off the scholars, but uh, hints at that Archie was there with his lover. Mm-hmm. And she and Archie Butt were close, and probably mm-hmm. because she probably figured out, you know, he's gay, but she didn't care. Yeah. And they were good friends. So, and from what I've heard about her, she's just that kind of person. It's like she's mm-hmm. just open and warm to everybody. Yeah, and it just goes to show that those kinds of people can show up everywhere, you know. Yeah, at any time. Yeah, and, uh, and she was clearly going through a lot herself, and obviously was trying, like, with her own emotional burden, she was still trying to help other people. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's like, uh, we really try to pigeonhole the past as a, uh, everyone was a certain way. Mm-hmm. Everyone was racist, everyone was you know, of course, people had the problems that we do have today, mm-hmm. but absolutely, we look at the past sometimes where it's like everyone was that way. And that's not the case. Right. Oh, God, no. And that drives me absolutely flipping crazy, especially like you're in the United States. I'm in the United States. And I mean, I never mm-hmm. like to presume anyone's politics, but if you've listened to the show for more than 24 seconds, I think you figured out that I'm a pretty, you know, far flying liberal. Yeah. And it's, you know, one of those things now where you can definitely see if you only listen 
to what, say, Republicans say about Democrats and you never get another side, you can completely see how you would think that they're awful, awful people, terrible people who do want to take away your rights. They don't want you to have anything. Like if you only listen to that rhetoric, that's the opinion you'll form. And I'm going to say this as a Democrat, you only listen to what Democrats say about Republicans. They are uneducated morons who don't deserve anything because they vote against their own best interest. Like no one paints a flattering picture of the other party. And that's one of those things where you have, you then start thinking about like where you're getting your, your, your news from. Yeah. And that, that was again, another super extreme example, but it's sort of like, if that's all that you're being told about a thing or a person, it's really difficult to formulate anything outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it comes from a place of fear. Uh, I'm married to a mm-hmm. non-binary gender fluid person. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> sorry. Oh, you're good. Uh, so it's like conservatives are freaked out about these people. It's like, they're not doing mm-hmm. anything. No, it's just something you don't understand. And right. they've done studies on conservatives and they've shown uh, brain scans. Mm-hmm. CT scans on conservatives and they have far bigger amygdalas than liberals have. Mm-hmm. And so they hear that fear rhetoric all the time and that gets their amygdala going. And so then they're just scared all the time of yeah. things that aren't scary. And going back to Archie, Bud, I was like, I knew I brought this up for a reason. Yeah. It, you know, I, <clears throat> Yes and no to the fact that our climate is more accepting societally, I think, on a day to day basis, the people you encounter by and large, as opposed to 1912, are going to be far more accepting of the non-conforming. But, you know, you think about. I don't want to presume anything about your partner, but I assume that they sometimes feel anxiety going to potentially new places like. How are they going to react? Well, well, if you go somewhere like like if you travel, so, like if I were to go somewhere like I'm in Texas now, yeah, I sometimes have that feeling that I never had living in Maryland. If I go to a new city, I'm like, what are they going to say about me? And it's just that thing because I'm like, I'm just a little different. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I think anyone's going to beat me up. It's just kind of like, have they met a me before? I don't, yeah. I don't know that they have. Yeah. Well, we were very concerned as we were driving across the country for our move. I'm originally from Missouri. Yeah. And they're nice originally from, Yeah, yeah. Uh they're originally from Missouri too. We met in Missouri. Nice. And uh seven years do ago. Most, sorry, do most locals say Missouri? Because someone told me that's true and I think that's wrong. Some people do. Okay, uh, never mind. Yeah. Some people say Missouri. I say Missouri. Uh I say Maryland uh, and some people say Maryland. So yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh you know, but uh we met in Missouri. And mm-hmm. this is before uh, they transitioned mm-hmm. and we moved to Seattle. And so transitioning in Seattle is not a big deal. Yeah. The town we lived in in Missouri was a college town, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But you get out of that purple bubble and things get dicey real quick. Yeah. I mean, again, I live in Maryland. I lived really close to the DC border. So yeah. super liberal. I mean, DC pride, one of the biggest events, you know, in the country yeah. and, <clears throat> you know, a pretty liberal place. But again, you go out to, Western Maryland. Yeah. Southern Maryland. Yeah. Not so parts much. Parts of Virginia. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, again, this isn't to say everyone, there's great people out yeah. there, but you know, you see more Trump signs. Yeah. You see more don't tread on me license plates. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we were worried about that as we were driving across the country, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, we just stuck to the roads and stayed in uh, major cities. 
as much as we could. Mm. And now we live in Providence. There you go. Yeah. And so, I mean, I never expected to live in Rhode Island. I thought my story was going to end in Seattle. So, but here I am. Life is a weird and interesting thing. I mean, I, I think I've talked about it a little bit on the show, but not, not very extensively in that I, I was born and raised in Maryland and that is, that is home for me. And I, I don't, I don't do change well. That's just something I've never been able to do, um, especially, you know, when it's against my will. And I know this, you know, sounds either obvious or spoiled. And, and, I, and I know that. And I never wanted to have to move out here to Texas. I lost my job in last September. Um, it's now Jan- it's February. I have not found anything else. You know, my family lives here. The rent is free. You can't really argue with that. Mm-hmm. But it, it it was not only something I never thought was going to happen. It was something I never, I, I never, ever, ever, ever wanted. I never wanted to move to a red state. I never wanted to move to the South. I never wanted to leave my home. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to leave my friends. I don't make friends easy. I didn't want to leave the ones I had. Uh, yeah. I didn't want to leave my therapist. I just had to have my wrap up session with her. It was, it was, and is still a really big deal. I'm, you know, still kind of having a temper tantrum about it because I don't want to be here. Right. You know? life takes you in a lot of unexpected places. And unfortunately, you know, not all of them are where you want them to go. Um, and I know it sounds rich coming from me, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you have to try and do your best to deal with it. Even if your best, it does mean just complaining your way through the day for a little while. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I mean, I'm happy to be here. I mean, I'm living in a house for the first time. Ugh, that does sound is, awesome. Which is so nice. Cause I've, been living we've been living in apartments for ever and so it's nice to be living in a house and just having space Mm -hmm. and um so i don't mind that because uh seattle's really tough place to make friends in really it seems like such like a big crowded space yeah but it's uh difficult to meet people there it was difficult Mm -hmm. for me and um i mean we left missouri for uh reasons we just yeah, it didn't feel like home anymore. It was and time to go. It was time to go, and I haven't yeah. been back to Missouri in going on eight years now. I hear it's still hot and swampy. Yeah, uh, I didn't even go back for my father's funeral. We weren't close, and I didn't. Uh, I, you know, initially after he died, I wanted to go back for that, but I ended up not going, and mm-hmm. I don't regret that. You know, everyone's relationships are different, and I I spend way too much time on Reddit. Yeah. Um, this is probably my fault, but I noticed there's, there's, there's two tracks of, of thought in life. Um, there's people that are like everything for family. And then there are people that, you know, screw you. I make my own way. And it's, it's interesting because I think you need to meet somewhere in the middle uh, and that family is what you make it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it sucks to say that not everyone was born into the right family. Like, it's just just unfortunate to say that, you know, that's true. And I know that's really hard for some people to fathom where they're like, how could you, your own son, your own uncle, your own father. It's like, sometimes people's insert family member here act in such a way that they basically self-rescind the title. Yeah. And that's really hard for people to fathom. Yeah. And 
it, and when it's difficult for you to understand, it's like, it, it just, you just, you can't quite get it, but it's like, I can see where, where that comes from because, you know, people, as we say, are complex and, you know, throughout history, we have and haven't gotten a whole lot better, but one thing we haven't gotten a lot better of is this whole notion that like family is what you make it, you know, we, everyone quotes that stupid, like blood is thicker than water, but it's like, yeah, say the full sentence, say it loud. The full sentence is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb, which means that the bonds you choose to forge in blood are thicker than the ones that were surrounding the circumstances of your birth. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a lot. I mean, I've been to a lot of therapy. I've, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on, I'm on antidepressants, uh, but it's uh, a lot I worked on in therapy and I don't regret doing any of that work because it needed to be done. And I wouldn't be as happy as I am today if I hadn't gone through all that. So I don't a lot of it in therapy. Uh, I should probably find another therapist. I haven't given it much thought in the few months I've been here because I've been all right. So, sure. but uh, it's one of those things. It's like mental health is important. And so, you know, I do the work and I mm-hmm. take my pill every morning mm-hmm. and it's not bad. I've talked about it a few times on the show before too, where like, it's, it's so, it's great that we have those resources because this is not what was available to people at the time. You know, no, you go through a ma- the major trauma of a shipwreck and they're like, well, bye. Yep. And, and you just kind of have to, to deal with it. And I, I think it was Dan Parks who told me that Charles Lightoller, you know, man of the sea never took a bath again simple gestures like that like submerging his body in water i'm like you know i get that yeah i can totally understand where like he he went back out to sea he went back out and worked on the sea but i can see where the notion of dipping your body in water was an absolute no thank you for that man afterwards yeah and i don't fault him at all and it's one of those things where like maybe just maybe if he'd worked with a trauma counselor, had the therapy, maybe he could have overcome it. But like, that was not a resource to him. He no. went right back there. He was, he was in Dunkirk. He was in a bunch of other shit. And I think he like died of lung cancer. It's like this man went right in and was just like head down, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Just well, bear it down, bear it down, bite your way through life. Like, geez. Well, it's like Lawrence Beasley tried to kill himself on the set of A Night to Remember. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Tell the, if anyone doesn't know, please yeah. tell that story. It's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence Beasley, I mean, I don't know all, everything about it, but I just know <laughs> that he suffered from the trauma of the sinking, mm-hmm. like all the male survivors did. And he felt the guilt from surviving. And he snuck onto the set of a night to remember. I think he'd been actually invited to attend the film, the, 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 the filming. Like he was, yeah. But, if uh, I remember correctly, he was a la- supposed to be there, but like you said, he actually made his way onto the set. Yeah. He made his way onto the set and tried to drown himself on the set because of the guilt he felt from having survived the wreck. And I don't understand that. I don't understand that toxic masculinity they had back then because they dogged on Ismay so much for his surviving, for his getting into the lifeboat. And 
learning more about it and looking at everything, that night was chaos. Yeah. Despite how we may try to romanticize that night and all that, that night was chaos. There weren't enough lifeboats. He spent as much time as he could getting people into lifeboats. He's like, get in, get in, get in. You got to get, you got to get in this boat. And people weren't listening to him at first. And the time came, they were lowering the boat. There was room. He got in. Mm -hmm. Apparently this made him the worst person ever. They'd still be talking shit about him if he drowned, if he died. Yeah. He died to avoid the consequences of what happened. Did not have to tell his side of what happened. And so he was in a Kobayashi Maru. Star Trek reference. (laughs) That took me about one second and then I got it. Yeah. And, you know, so he wasn't going to win no matter what happened. And so Ismay was not a, they tried to make him solve the trolley problem under duress. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And there's no way he could do it. And then people are all like, well, he could have decided to put more lifeboats on the ship. He could have made, he could have made that call. Yes, he absolutely could have made that call. But at the same time, they were in a new age of technology. They had the, the miracle of the Marconi wireless system. And the thought was that another ship would pick up the distress call and be there in time to get everyone before the ship would sink. Yep. And so the Board of Trade, I put the blame on the Board of Trade. Interesting. I'm not saying you're wrong, but like right. I'm just thinking of like today, for example, yeah. like how many stories do you hear every day about company fined for cutting corners, company found negligent in death of X due to safety regulations, major company found guilty of this, major company found using child labor, major company found using slave labor, like to this day, we are still seeing how can we make money without spending money? Right. That's still how it works. Even in the time of White Star Line, when they were like luxury, 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 things and things and things, they were still looking for ways to maximize profit. Like, yeah, there were shareholders to answer to, there were investors to speak to, and there were designers with opinions, and there were other people. It's one of the. Mm, it's just such a fascinating thing to blame a singular person to me because I'm like, all right, even if we did blame one person, who do we blame today then? Yeah. When we when this always and, and everyone always has an excuse. Everyone's always like, we didn't know we're going to do better. We didn't know we're going to do better. It's like, no, the problem is, is that we 1912 and earlier and today is that we live in a capitalistic society where it is all about that kind of thing. And until that is solved, there are always going to be risks taken to maximize profit there's always going to be something that should have been improved to maximize why that we just didn't do because money it's always going to be that way always it's always money but exactly they had a regulatory body for ship travel then yep the board of trade wasn't ignorant of the fact that these ships were getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more people were going to be traveling on them and the fact and the fact that they were going to need lifeboats they could have absolutely looked at this situation and said okay well we have to update our regulations you need this many lifeboats now and white star would have complied 
because it was the law. Yeah. And they did everything up to the law. They had the 16, and then they had the four collapsibles. And they're like, well, you exceeded the law by putting those four collapsibles on there. And again, the arrogance of rescue would get here before the ship would actually sink. Right. But it didn't turn out that way. And then after Titanic, the board of trade is like, oh, well, we should probably update these regulations now. Yeah, it's... I don't remember where or who said it, but it's one of those things that's like every law, every rule, every regulation is written in someone's blood. And it's just one of those unfortunate true statements where it's like every it's every time you see a safety rule, it's because someone had to be seriously injured or killed for that to happen. And it just, it just again, goes back, you know, the whole concept of this greedy, yeah. greed and greed and greed will always lead this kind of stuff to happen. And And it's unfortunate that, you know, we could learn so many lessons from these disasters that they keep happening about, you know, no, let's just really just actually invest the money, but yeah. you'll never reach that point. And until you reach that point, it's kind of like there's, there's blame to share across the ground. And, you know, sure. I'm sure that Ismay has some part to blame in the same way that like everyone who was involved had a part of the blame, but no one person was oh, no. directly responsible for it. No. But uh, but if I were, if someone point blank asked me, who, who do you blame for it then? I'd mm-hmm. say the Board of Trade. Yeah, if you have to blame somebody, start right yeah. back up with the regulators. Yeah, I start with the regulators because they, they saw the technology getting bigger, bigger, and bigger. And they chose to do nothing about it. And nothing of Titanic size had even been made before. And instead yeah. of taking a second to be like, well, hang on. Why don't we? Why don't we take a moment and like think about this? They were just kind of like, as you said, they're like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, see you yeah. later. Yep, have fun. Yeah. So, uh, be home before the street lands cut. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's that, but uh, um, but uh, that's not all I want to talk to you about today. Yes, you sent me some incredible notes from your watching of titanic 666 and i honestly think you should just read it as is because i read it and laughed for about two solid minutes oh uh i don't know uh if anyone would actually want to hear that should i uh condense it down a little bit or if you want to but i thought it was very funny yeah at least the at least the very end absolutely caught me because i personally it Oops. I have not yet seen this um, masterpiece. Right. My dog just came in and lay down on a pattern that I spread out on the floor to cut out, which is both cute and obnoxious. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I got two dogs, too. I got the door closed so they can't uh, interrupt me right now. I think that would be worse if I did that. But it really OK, well, uh my uh my spouse is working from home so mm-hmm. they're all downstairs so they're yeah. good. <laughs> they'll live yeah uh so anyway i'll uh give you a little bit on, on this yeah. did you watch uh battlestar galactica from 2003 no okay uh it was a really good show i um, have heard that that is that is a thing that i have heard yeah i i loved it, it uh, i met edward mm-hmm. james almost he's a nice guy I've met some of the cast of the show. They're great. Anyway, one of the actors in Titanic 666 is Jamie Bamber. 
And he played the son of Edward James Olmos on Battlestar Galactica. So, and when you're acting alongside Edward James Olmos, you bring your A game. You'd hope so. Yeah. You hope you bring your A game because you don't want to waste his time. So, um, but anyway, the asylum got Jamie Bamber to be in Titanic 666. Mm-hmm. And he plays a character that was part of the original expedition to find the Titanic. This is impossible because Jamie Bamber is 49 years old. <laughs> yeah, not exactly a spring chicken. Yeah. So uh, he would have to be a lot older to have actually been part of that expedition. But anyway, he plays this shady uh corporate guy who sells titanic artifacts on the down low and somehow okay. he claims he got captain smith's wedding ring and it's like all right how in the world did you find captain smith's wedding ring at the bottom of the ocean there's absolutely no way just blind brilliant luck yep so uh let's see one of the funniest things at the start of the movie at the 10 minute 45 10 minutes 45 seconds they're talking about how they spent 10 years perfecting the interior of Titanic 3 Titanic 3 excellent Titanic 3 this is in the Titanic universe the asylum made started with Titanic 2 which is a masterpiece in its own right at the 10 minute 45 second mark we see a still shot of the grand staircase from the original Titanic Mm-hmm. as uh, quote-unquote the level of detail they put into Titanic 3. You never see it in the rest of the movie. They just have a photo. <laughs> they just have a photo of it. <laughs> so this guy found the wedding ring and they're rebuilding Titanic 3. They're yeah. building Titanic 3, not rebuilding. They're building Titanic 3 from scratch, I'm yeah, guessing. They've, they've completed Titanic 3. All right. And then what's... What is the point of the? Okay. Well, it's a horror movie. It's a low right. grade. It's a low grade horror movie. I don't know if you've ever seen anything else from the Asylum. They do the sci-fi no, channel. I have not. They do all the sci-fi channel original horror movies. Okay. And if you get drunk or uh, partake in substances and just watch it, if you've ever seen Mystery Science Theater three thousand, this is the type of movie I'm talking about. Okay. Just bad schlocky just cheap so anyway yes they've spent 10 years building titanic 3 because uh spoiler alert in titanic 2 it sinks as well excellent yeah and so now at this point i believe yeah at this point there are now three titanics where titanic sank i don't know so if they what landed. is the what is the actual premise of, i'm gonna google this because oh. i don't actually know what the premise of this movie is okay well uh Captain Smith's great 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 granddaughter uh, sneaks her way onto Titanic three because of uh, the character that's been selling all these artifacts, and she d- performs a ritual in the ship's basement, which calls up the spirit of Captain Smith and other people who perished on Titanic, and the spirits take control of the ship and ram it into an iceberg and sink it, and everyone dies. Great. And a lot of uh, just really bad horror movie things happen. Not bad in the sense that it's grotesque, in the sense that it's cheap and funny to laugh at. 
The Wikipedia synopsis says, after embarking on the maiden voyage of Titanic 3, a group of digital influencers are yep. surrounded by macabre events. So this is just TikTok on Titanic. Pretty much. And, you know, when the influencers die, I'm not that broke up about it because they were annoying. Haunted TikTok on Titanic. Yeah. What the and, hell? All right. So you wanted to... You want me to read the end of the very yeah the very end of yours was just this pr- expression of frustration with this movie. Okay, uh, I'm still stuck on the fact that it's digital influencers are on Titanic. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm into that idea. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know totally drowning. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, one. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll start at this point. All right. Uh, let's see. Like the original Titanic, no lifeboats are filled to capacity. One scene with only three people in it. Excellent. This whole time, Nearer My God to Thee is playing. Uh, if you watch this movie, you can make Nearer My God to Thee into a drinking game. Because <laughs> they use it so much. Um, no other songs existed. No, not in this movie. Uh <laughs> Jamie Bamber is the only one in a lifeboat. Somehow it's one from 1912, which makes no sense because that's not how lifeboats look like today. I'm I'm adding to it. I apologize. Um, Jamie Bamber then laughs at the irony and then dies like Talia Al Ghul. (laughs) You've seen The Dark Knight Rises. Um, Yes, I have. The captain tries to wake him up, then jump scare ending. And then, oh boy, near my God to thee again. Mm. Don't watch this movie sober or alone. You won't enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, no, this definitely sounds like a movie that needs to be like a party. You get a bunch of people, you get a bunch of stuff, and then everyone throws popcorn at the screen and yells about it. Yep. That's That's why I mentioned Mystery Science Theater 3000 earlier. Yeah, it sounds about that kind of, about that kind of way. Uh, I know uh, uh, L.A. watched it on uh, Unsinkable, her podcast. Yeah. It was, it was a Patreon episode. I wish she'd gone into more detail about it. Because <laughs> It uh, sounds uh, insanely stupid. <laughs> oh, it's really, it's really stupid. I mean, the basement of Titanic 3 looks like it's been around for 60 years. Maybe it has. Because they cl- filmed it on the Queen Mary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they filmed Titanic 2 on the Queen Mary as well. I feel like I did know that because it is somewhat, I mean, it's similar-ish. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of bad movies. And I don't know if you want to, I know one other question you've been asking people lately is if they're going to see Titanic again. Yeah, are you? I am not. Oh, okay. Fair Uh, enough. I don't like James Cameron that much anymore. Yeah, he's not great. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's not my favorite person right now because he keeps complaining about the Marvel movies. And it's like, dude, I love the Marvel movies. Uh, I saw Avengers Endgame in a the theater. Uh, I helped it make its $2 billion and I don't regret it. Because not a bad thing. Uh, I don't regret it because, I mean, it was the culmination of things we've been waiting for. I mean, the scene where Cap uses Thor's hammer 
Mm-hmm. The theater I was in, it was the Seattle Cin- uh, Cinerama. I have seen Titanic on the big screen again. It was at the Seattle Cinerama. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. But uh, the scene where Cap picks up Thor's hammer cheers throughout the entire theater. That I believe. <laughs> I mean, it, this was a big event <clears throat> movie. This is as big an event as Titanic was in 97. Yeah. And he keeps dogging on the Marvel movies and how they're not quote unquote real cinema. And I'm like, dude, just, just go home and yell at clouds <laughs> in your, in, in your yard. Um, I'm really tired of hearing you talk about it. And any other reason I don't want to go see it this time for the 4k remaster is he upped the frame rate so it's at 48 frames per second instead of 24 okay. i don't really know it i don't know anything about anything what does that mean what does okay. that mean um i don't know if you know about the settings on your tv uh not really <laughs> yeah uh most people they don't realize this uh your tv has a setting called uh motion smoothing or it's different on every brand of tv but what it does uh is it it creates a digital frame it inserts a frame into whatever you watch so movement is quote unquote supposed to look more fluid and smooth and and uh, av world is called the soap opera effect i don't know what that means Oh, uh, the camera moves really fast and zooms in just like really insanely fast. Okay. And with this, uh, okay, four- yeah. and with this 4K remaster of Titanic, he's up the frame rate so it looks like that. And mm-hmm. uh, my my spouse noticed that you know, on a TV when we were driving across the country in one of the hotel rooms, and I was able to turn it off on the TV in the hotel room, and it just it gives me motion sickness. Huh. Yeah, my- no, I'm thinking about that just because, like, I, I, I tend to get like, I'm already, I'm going to go see it in theaters. Um, I'm already kind of like setting myself up for it because I tend to get migraines. Yeah. Well, just uh, beware. You might get motion sickness too because he upped the frame rate on it. And great. Yeah, and I, I don't approve of that either. Uh, he's got a really bad habit of changing things when he remasters his movies. Yeah, it's like with Terminator Two, he changed the color timing. The, well, he didn't. I, I've I have not seen that one again, so I'm kind of like, mm. oh yeah, uh, a few years ago when they did the uh, 3D re-release for uh, Terminator Two, mm-hmm. uh, I got the 4K blu or the 4K Blu-ray, and I couldn't watch it because it didn't look the same. Ugh. And now That's you can get it for like, yeah, you can get it for five bucks anywhere now because mm. nobody wants it. Yeah, I mean, there's some things where as technology improves, they definitely, they do improve. So I can understand certain things being redone or remastered or, you know, whatever the case may be. But not everything needs to be that way. And you do start kicking yourself in the foot, uh, in, in the, like, in the butt at a certain point in time. And I think that's kind of where we're at at this point. Where it's like, stop adjusting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't you know, need to be we, 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 it's unnecessary stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm all for the 4K remaster and mm-hmm. the adding of high dynamic range and all that. Not a problem. Okay. I love that stuff. 
but exactly. you don't need to change it that dramatically. So no. I, I'm not going to go. And because I mean, Cameron's on my shit list right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Martin Scorsese, they just need to stop yelling at clouds to everybody. I mean, I yell at clouds a lot, but yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that. Like, I get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, they talk about this not being real cinema and it's like, dude, you should be glad people are going to the movies. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, Scorsese's made a lot of good movies, but how often do you hear people say, I'm going to sit down and watch Taxi Driver? Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing is that like, I can understand the argument of like, it's not, they're not great masterpieces. I'm like, I will give you that all day, every day. Cause I, I'm yeah. not going to disagree with that, but yeah. are they entertaining? Yes. Yeah. They're, they're fine. They're a fine way to, to spend your afternoon. They're a fine way to do stuff. Like I'll admit that I'm behind on some of them. I don't like all of them. There's some that I like more than others. There's some I right. don't care about, but like, they're fine. Yeah. And it's you, like, not in a bad way, but they're formula. I mean, maybe in a bad way to some people, like they're formulaic enough. You're kind of like, I know what I'm getting into. Like, yeah, it shouldn't be a grand mystery to you when you're starting a Marvel film. Like, Ooh, I wonder what kind of movie it's going to be. It's like, no, 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 you, 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 it's a Marvel movie. Like no mystery yeah. involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, so it's like, uh, I'm down for that. And you know, uh, for me, my favorite movie of last year was the Batman. I still haven't seen that, and I really, really want to. I hear it, it's, A, I hear it's really, really good, and B, I like Robert Pattinson. <laughs> it was so good. We saw it twice. Yeah, no, I want to see it. That's that's one of those movies that I keep telling myself I'm going to watch, and then I just I, I zone out on it. Yeah. Uh, just beware. It's three hours. Yeah, that's part of the reason. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's like when we saw it in the theater, it went by like that. I didn't even notice the time going by. It was just that good. And right. they got the Batman part two coming out in 2025. So um, I'm excited to see that, but uh, Hmm. I've got two years to catch up. Yep. And then they're going to be making a penguin series with Colin Farrell too, for HBO. (laughs) Is it going to be animated or live? No, it's it's live action. Interesting. Cause I'm re I love, and I've talked about it a lot, a little on the show. I love their animated Harley Quinn show. Yeah, I've uh, seen some episodes of that. Oh, I adore that show. I think it's amazing. Yeah. So uh, I've, I'm more of a Batman fan. Fair enough. I have been since 89, and and Titanic came out in 97. Mm-hmm. It's when Batman and Robin came out. And you I don't listen that. to the podcast Bat Minute by any chance, do you? Because I think you should. No, uh, I don't really get into... Uh, really hardcore nerdy podcasts anymore i don't know if this one's technically nerdy it's it's a good time though (laughs) yeah um the fandom is so toxic that's fair there's a couple fandoms that i hear that about i do hear that about sorry guys the batman fandom and as some again as someone who really i loves the harley quinn show yeah but has no other knowledge of the comic books i'm like there's a lot of toxic harley quinn fans trust me yep. i understand yeah there's just so i many, get it there's so many toxic fans that i've yeah. managed to find some groups on facebook that aren't toxic mm-hmm. and i'm glad that i found them for sure but as far as like uh listening to movie podcasts it's really hit or miss Mm-hmm. because uh batman robin is one of the worst movies of all time 
hands down. They talk their they talk their way through that one and a couple other. I I think it's a it's a fun show. You might like it, you might not, but um, yeah. I don't disagree with you that there are certain fandoms that like their their talks. Like another one that I avoid at all cost, and it's this the uh, Rick and Morty fandom. I don't personally even like the show. And every time I say they always someone's like, you just don't get it. I'm like, no, I understand the jokes. Like, I'm smart. I got it. It just wasn't funny to me. Right. And, and I hear nothing good about the fandom. Yeah. No, but uh, with Batman and Robin, though, if you look at... Joel I just noticed Sh- you're wearing a Batman shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Purposefully. I was going to uh, wear my White Star Line shirt, but it seemed too on the nose. I don't have one of those. I'm realizing I should get one. Yeah, I got it at the Titanic Experience in mm-hmm. uh, Las Vegas last year for my birthday. I went to that um, when I went to get to see when we were young, that music festival. I got coasters. Nice. I got a water bottle. <laughs> I also got a water bottle. Is it the one that has like the boarding pass on it? No. Uh, screw up top. Oh, damn. The one I got is the cork and it's just got white star line on it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think uh, I think mine's like a weird fake boarding pass thing. I got it because it has a red screw top with a bit of a handle. Oh, nice. I wanted to, be able I to carry it. Yeah, I didn't see that one, but I got the shirt and then a book and a magnet. And I don't know where I in the photo on the uh, Grand Staircase recreation mm-hmm, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, uh, I think like the silliest Titanic purchase I own. Can I reach it from here? I think I can. Uh, it's. This nice. heart-shaped pillow that says Titanic. It's blue, and on the back, it has those sequins that change colors. When oh you yeah, hear. I think I, I think I saw that there. I'm not sure. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, uh, I was very specific on what I got there because I didn't mm-hmm. want anything that had the Titanic Experience logo on it. Yeah, I mean, this kind of, but a little yeah, passable. I, and I, I get, but I get what you're saying. I didn't want that either. I'm also. I'm also at a point in my life where it's like, I want something I'll actually like and, and, and maybe either use or permanently display with pride. Yeah. If that uh, makes sense. Uh, my spouse is really into tarot cards and there is a Titanic tarot card deck. Excuse me. I, I needed silence while I wrote that down. Yep. Okay. yep. There's a Titanic tarot <laughs> card deck and we have that. And I need it, that. <laughs> it's really cool. Yep. I, I knew okay. you would want that. And I'm sure your <laughs> listeners would want to want to know about that too. Uh, so. Yeah. As a, as a witchy person, I need that. And I, and I have a few friends who are also into that. So I, they're about to get hit with a, with a sales link later on. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, uh, got the Titanic tarot deck and amazing. Uh, let's see. I don't remember. Oh yeah. I think this, It sounds like a box opening. If I remember correctly, this is the box that came in. Oh, nice. It's a it's a wooden box with the white star line um, insignia on the, I mean, the logo on the front, the yeah, little the, flag. Yeah, the flag. And then it uh, looks like a nice, good quality wooden box. This is the kind of like box that I would expect a nice watch to come in. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, what is this? Oh, uh, maybe. That water bottle did have a boarding pass in it. Yeah, that's the one that I ended up getting. Yeah, I don't remember if that was inside of mine, but mine has that yeah. on the outside. The reason I got the one I did was um, we were in town for a music festival, and I wanted 
a bottle with a handle on the top so that I could like clip it to my jeans. I didn't want to carry a water bottle in my hands around a music festival in Vegas. So I ended up getting that design because it had, I mean, I like it. It's not like I hate it, but it was like, it was mostly, this is the one water bottle in this store that's got a handle. So I suppose whether I like the design or not, it's coming with me. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. uh, My water bottle is downstairs. We got, uh, my partner has a library set up downstairs. So all my Titanic books are down there. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that's down there with it. Uh, Recently got a poster I'm going to put up in our movie room. Uh, It's like an old promotional Titanic poster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got that online. (laughs) I've seen more and more of those online now that the movie's coming back out. Everyone's like sharing because I like the it's funny. Everyone says they don't like the the new poster release and I don't disagree with them. But it's funny because the image that was on the original poster is that picture just trimmed down a lot. Oh, uh, I guess i should specify uh it's not of the movie oh. it's not of the titanic movie it's like it's a recreation of uh the promotion they had in 1912 for the Titanic. oh one of those yeah. Oh, yeah. that's really cool that's the other ones aren't not cool but that's it's, i like that yeah <clears throat> that is very cool yeah because uh now that i have space i'm not trying to over nerd the house too much I'm just trying to keep it classy down in the other rooms for when yeah. people come over because I'm a Trekkie. I got the enterprise E and the defiant on the TV stand. And so, you know, um, and I, uh, my wife, uh, my, my spouse also got me a, uh, a cell from Batman, the animated series. Oh, cool. And so that's hanging up down there. And we managed, like to, meet, we managed to meet Kevin Conroy and we got his autograph and that's on the wall nice. next to it. RIP Kevin Conroy. Um, it's, I think it's nice to have a little, a little area for your stuff. Like I try to get signed copies of the books of people who have, who I have on my show, um, as often as I can. And I keep those on a special shelf, like separate from my other Titanic books, just because it's kind of like, these are not only signed, but they're like, they're signed for me. Right. So I keep those, you know, in a little special place. I'm looking at my shelf right now. I'm just trying to think. I look at around my life a little differently these days, not to sound like weird and philosophical, but talking a lot about people who have, you know, passed the Titanic and about what we learned from their lives by the stuff they own. Right. That's all that's left. I look at my own stuff now and I'm like, what would someone, if I just vanished, if someone walked into my room 50 years from now and was like, this is what we have left. I'm looking around. It's like, number one, it is a mess. They might think that I was far more productive than I was. Um, they might assume I was a better athlete than I was because I have like all of my MVP trophies in one place and there's no dates on them. So it could all be like, yeah, these are all very recent and, uh, and now. Right. But it's that sort of thing. Where I'm like, who, what would they, who would they draw out from this room if all they had was the belongings in here and maybe my photograph? Yeah. Who would they say that I was? What kind of person would they determine I was? Who would they, who would I be? I think about that a lot because, you know, we look, I just went through puberty. Um, We, that's all we have now. You know, we look at one or two photos of Madeline Astor. Yeah. And then the portrait of her and she survived and we know what we know about her, but then you look at someone who who didn't Yeah. and you maybe have their name, a photograph. If we're lucky, if we're lucky. Yep. And then if we're lucky, er, we can identify their belongings. Yeah. And then you have to kind of make their life out of that. And that always interests me to think of just kind of like, not just me, but the people around me. It's kind of like, 
if I didn't know you or if you didn't know me, who would you think that I was? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the, and I'm going to run downstairs here in a minute and mm-hmm. get a book that mm-hmm. you might be interested in. It's like uh, the rest of my nerdy stuff is going to be in this Lego room mm-hmm. right here, but I'm still putting some down the rest of the house. But uh, anyway, I'll run down and get it here in a second. One of the last books I bought in Seattle mm-hmm. was a Titanic book that came out in 1912. Oh, wow. It's an original edition from 1912. That's so I'm incredible. Gonna, I'm going to run downstairs real quick and get that. I should have done it before we started, but I'm going to go get that real quick. So I will be right housekeeping. There. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, if you are, go ahead and run and get that. I was like, I'll, I'll talk while you're grabbing okay. your, your book. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I just put out on the, um, on the, on the show on Titanic talk line, I have a new t-shirt design. I'm really excited about it. It was drawn by my friend Galley, who also did the show logo. Um, <clears throat> and I still have those available in my merch shop. I'll post about them more on social media. Cause I'm definitely going to spam the shit out of you with these shirts. Cause I think they're adorable. Um, they have a design of me and my two actual dogs, Lido and Princess, who you can sometimes hear in the background. Definitely. I think it's super adorable. Please support the show. Grab one, get, grab three for your family. It comes also in a hoodie and a tank top. And if you're feeling cheeky, it comes in a cropped hoodie, but I will share more details on that on my feed. And I am excited because I'm about to, I'm about to get to look at a really old book. There's something really interesting about like exceptionally old books in in my opinion yeah uh, i think i'm mostly just it's mostly impressive how 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 well they've survived after a certain point you're just kind of like my god how incredible yeah i mean this is in rough shape but uh wow that's incredible yeah and this came out really fast after uh the sinking uh humans never change oh shit something happened how can i make money off of it yeah. Uh, I have a book. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really have. I'm, who the again, I'm mostly is. just impressed that that made it. Yeah. You know, I uh, mean, I, I have accidentally ruined books that I purchased in my lifetime just by reading them. And I mean, it sounded like I was making a joke, but like, I've read a book before where you've ruined the spine. I, you know, lost a few pages. I I can think of a couple books I've done that too, and you know you're holding you showed me a book that's 111 years old. Yeah, and I only paid five dollars for it. That's insane. Yeah, it's I, it is incredible to me what survives. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, that's like the coolest thing I've got in my Titanic collection. One day I will have something cool and something very cool in my collection. I don't think I have. I mean, I love my sign books. My sign books are wonderful. Those are cool, but it's like, yeah. I need something. I'm, I'm on the hunt for something. I don't know what it is. I, I did love- talk. I was talking to Steve Proto, who makes the uh, Titanic life belts, and I asked him if he could theoretically make a pink one. I'm like, maybe, <laughs> maybe we have to get weird and do something stupid. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah. Someone's going to hate me. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Whatever. people that don't like that fun are going to hate that. I know. You know, it's like, uh, I think that's as close as I'm ever going to get to owning. It's a piece of history. Yeah, that's as close as I'm ever going to get to owning an artifact or anything. So, but that's its own piece of history. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to sound like I'm I'm you know oh very cute. It was like that is 
Yeah. That is really interesting. I mean, so many books that are even more modern, they don't make it. There's also so many books that we have simply lost because they went out of print and we don't have the records anymore. Yeah. That film that Dorothy Gibson made, um, the actress, there's no surviving copies of that simply because the technology didn't exist to sort of like grand level preserve it in a way. And there was a warehouse fire. There's so many items of our history that have simply been lost to time. And it is incredible. Like you couldn't find an author on that book. I'm betting you that there's probably true um, of a lot of books, probably maybe a little less so, but when books maybe were written by a collective of authors of the time, maybe they just didn't get a, an authorship. Yeah, And that's what it, it's, it, but that's such an interesting thing where it's kind of like a book with no author produced the same year as the thinking, like that's like a, that's like a pamphlet from today, which yeah. again, but it's almost like more, shocking that it survived where it's like maybe people of the day didn't think it's significant but wow it made it yeah so um i think it's really neat can you yeah, send me a picture of that book yeah yeah i'll take a picture of it and i'll send it to yeah, you send, take a picture of yourself have your have your spouse take a photo of you in that book oh yeah yeah i'll do that uh later yeah, yeah i'll do that later today but i mean it's wonderful it's, yeah. i that's a really interesting piece of history because like okay is it maybe it's not a direct titanic artifact but again i'm like someone Think about the process, like someone of that time wrote that book about mm -hmm. the event of their lifetime. Like I've never written a book before. Yeah. I think it's, if I wrote a book, even, and, and you know, if I wrote a book today and, and it didn't get very popular. And if somehow my ghost knew that in 110 years, one copy of it was someone's prized possession, maybe not even because they read it, but just because they were like, this survived the test of time. It would be kind of like, that's kind of cool. Maybe I'd yeah. be mad. I'd be like, read the damn book, you moron. But it'd still be like, you know, I think it's neat that you think it's cool that we have that connection. Well, yeah, because I mean, uh, and it's full photographs and whatnot, too. Mm -hmm. But it's like the closest I was ever going to get. I mean, mm -hmm. hopefully someday I can get over to Ireland and I can see the Titanic experience over there because mm -hmm. I would love to set foot on Nomadic. Yeah. Because that's as close as I'm ever going to get to actually touching the Titanic. Aside from the big piece in Vegas. I didn't do it because I saw the sign about the uh, the cameras around. And I was really tempted, but I didn't do it. But I, I got my picture taken in front of it. But I, was, <laughs> I see you laughing. Shame on I'm you. I'm really guilty of that. Yeah. And I, I talked about it publicly. Yeah. So you can shame me. People are... Listen... I'm fully aware that I broke a rule. Yeah. If people want to shame me about it, they are within their rights to do oh, so. I, I, I mean, I like, I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I'm like, listen, uh, I broke a rule. That's, that's my fault. That's on me. You can, I'm jokingly <laughs> shaming you because, uh, oh, no, I'm but I'm being serious. I'm like, if yeah. there are people who really, really are upset by that, it's like, you are within your rights to be upset about that. Yeah. Because honestly, if, if the shoe were on the other foot, I'd probably be pissed off about it. It'd be like, well, I was following the rules. And it, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, I can defend myself as much as I want to. And yeah. it, what's done is done. Yeah. Um, and, and it's one of those things where it's kind of like, I'm fully aware that I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Not probably. But, I should not have done that. Like, no, yeah. it, I but don't I'm necessarily not, need to encourage it. <laughs> but I'm not mad at you for having done it because uh, <laughs> have you seen Star Trek First Contact? No. Oh, okay. Well, there's uh, a scene where Picard and Data, they see the very first warp-capable ship. Ooh. They're standing right next to it. Mm -hmm. And Picard reaches out and touches it. And he tells Data, ever since I was a kid, I saw mm -hmm. this in the Smithsonian, and I just wanted to touch it. 
Yeah. And to have that connection to history by being able to just put your hand on it and be mm-hmm. like, and just the experience of, you know, the tragedy and then the people in Belfast who put all that hard work into building it. And I know a lot of people are against them bringing things up from the bottom. Mm -hmm. But I can't be upset about the big piece because it's not going to be there much longer. Mm -hmm. Time is going to do its thing. The whole thing is going to collapse. It's going to disintegrate. It'll be gone. And having one piece of Titanic is important. It's a reminder. I think it's better than any memorial you could build because you can go look at this thing and be like, yes, we got all these beautiful memorials to Titanic everywhere. But it doesn't become real until you see it because it was surreal for me to stand behind the big piece Mm -hmm. because it felt like I was on Titanic looking out through those portholes in the big piece. If anyone uh, hasn't been been to Vegas, um, they don't show a lot of photos from the backside. Um, Most pictures are taken from the front. But if you do walk around to the back, you actually get a much better view um, of these portholes. Um, they're, they're bigger from, on the backside. And in some of them, you can see the broken glass. And, you know, similarly to, to what Bob was talking about, I'm, I'm short, I'm, I'm not very tall. I'm five foot five. And, um, I also have bad knees. So at a certain point, I just kind of sat on the ground at one point because I was like, I need a little break. And, and the room was a little emptier. And I was just kind of sitting with my head craned up looking in the sort of direction of the portholes and just kind of thinking this is the last thing some people saw yeah these rivets that glass that's it yeah and you know i'm 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 tall i'm six to eight and it was just yeah it was just very emotional standing behind that piece because mm-hmm. just the history and the tragedy of what happened it was just I'm always going to get emotional when I think about that mm-hmm. and I'll probably feel the same way if I ever step on nomadic because you know they fully restored it it's exactly the way it was then mm-hmm. and it's just going to be just mind-blowing to do because time travel isn't real but experiences like this are the closest you can get to it Mm -hmm. and if you're not moved by that um, I, I feel sorry for anyone that wouldn't be moved by that but more than looking at the curated artifacts in that exhibit 
just being in the presence of the big piece like that was more well I guess I could just say uh, it's going to be a core memory I love Inside Out yeah uh, it's just a core memory and so um, yeah I'm just remembering what I felt when I stood behind Mm -hmm. it and just um, history can can I mean that's the thing is you know history teaches you things and you know by it's like I said on the show a couple and if people keep repeating over and over again it is a human story Titanic is a human story and that's why it continues to grab people because humanity and connection remains the same but um Bob I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and being really really honest about your life and your experience and um i'm also you know this might like people probably say this in a way that sounds pedantic oh my god you're so brave oh my god just like i oh my god i can't even imagine like just like i'm sure you probably get that a lot but in a sincere way and you know there are many people who do not escape challenges there are many people who are unable to get out of toxic environment. And I don't fault those people. Things like cults. I mean, I'm sure you, you above anyone understand how someone cannot make it out. Yeah. Not everyone is able to, but I'm, I'm really happy that, I mean, you're, you're crying right now, which is a, w- a weird way, but it's like, I'm happy that you seem happy. You found a way out. You found someone that you love and who loves you and that you can share these experiences with and you can go to these exhibitions and enjoy this thing you know that you discovered a love for in your childhood and have now evolved in your adult been in your adulthood and i'm i'm glad that you're taking the steps that you need to to continue to make yourself happier and better because that's that's a lot to make it through and again as cliche as it is i mean you're i really appreciate you coming on and being honest and i appreciate you just talking about your your journey that it's a very unique one yeah. Um, you know, I've been hearing about yours and uh, what you're going through currently. And yeah. I, I don't know if I'll allow to talk about that very much, but I, I just you want can. you to know I've been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, one of the reasons why I left Missouri. Yeah, I understand. Things uh, fell apart. And uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I was going to say, I just going to say, I completely understand needing to leave. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was just at a point where I couldn't continue living there. Yeah. If I stayed, I might not be here right now. I understand. And, you know, what Bob was talking about is that I, I've mentioned it on the show before too. I have depression and, you know, like I mentioned a little bit on the show, moving away from Maryland, that was a massive blow. And I, I not having a job is driving me insane. There's, there's a lot happening and, you know, I, I, you know, it's, I've been having trouble keeping up with like social media and stuff just because there was a lot going on. And, you know, I really love the show and the connections that it gives me. And it's always good to hear everyone's stories because the core message that everyone's story that I talk to, whether it's you or Titanic fan 97, the core message is that we all happen to like this thing. And this cool group of people is just floating out there in the world that collectively likes the same one thing. And sometimes our little, our little orbs collide and it's, it's really neat. And I'm, I'm glad that our orbs collided as that sounded filthy, but you can apologize to your spouse. Sorry. I I was, I was hitting on your, your husband. Yeah. I said our orbs collided. Yeah. No, uh, I'll, I'll make sure they hear it and they'll laugh. (laughs) Uh, Excellent. And, uh, I will, 
I know you're going to edit this. So eh, uh, when you're done recording, uh, uh, I was just curious what you did because my spouse might be able to help you get a good paying job. Uh, sure. Yeah, we can definitely talk about that a little bit more offline. But yeah. um, again, just thank you so much again for coming on and yeah. hit this. I want to thank Bob once again for coming on, for talking to me and for sharing his story. Um, and for anyone else who wants to consider coming on the show like Bob did, please be sure to get in touch. And if you want to get in touch with Bob, you can follow him on Instagram. His username is bcle 2 B-S-I-E-L-I-2. And you can find that in the episode description box. See you next time. Bye. Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at titanictalkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's titanictalkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!